Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. That was a little taste of Scott Patterson's music, Smith Radio. And Scott Patterson is known for his role of Luke on Gilmore Girls. And I'm going to get a chance to interview him later on today. And it will air uh, sometime late in March. I will keep you posted on the details of that. Uh, That little snippet goes out to Tovia, who's home nursing tonsillitis. I hope you feel better soon. And uh, again, we'll get more info on Scott Patterson's band, Smith Radio, and I'll play some more of his music. Um, that was the Ha Ha song, and he's got a whole bunch of stuff going on. If you go to smithradioband.com, and uh, I'll tell you more about that later. All right, we're waiting for my first guest to call in, Amy Morin. She's a licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and a lecturer at Northeastern University. She's actually been dubbed the self-help guru of the moment by The Guardian and Forbes, refers to her as a thought leadership star. I had a chance to read her book called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, and it's a great read. It all started out, and she'll share this with you, but uh, she wrote this article in 2013, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, and it was read by over, get this, 30 million people around the world. Her best-selling book, which is called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, is being translated into 25 languages. So I'm just waiting for Amy to call in. She should be with us shortly. Uh, So we'll listen to some music. This is No Small Children with Big Steps. Okay, we are ready to roll. That was No Small Children with Drunk Creepy Guy. All right, have my share of those experiences. Standing by to join us, Amy Morin, who wrote 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. I, As I mentioned off air, I really have enjoyed your book. Uh, it struck a chord because the show is Get the Funk Out. And these are this is a great, great book to give people advice you know, whether they're going through a personal funk, professional funk. Let's go back to how this all came about, because this was an article. Yes, I wrote an article, published it to the web, and to my surprise, it went viral. And since then, has been read 50 million times. And so as it got passed around, a literary agent called and said, you should write a book. It was not, not my intention to, to write a book back in the beginning. And you wrote this article because you were going through your own personal trauma, Yeah, I'm a therapist, and I had spent years really working with people on issues around mental strength, and then my journey with mental strength had become personal. When I was 23, my mother had passed away suddenly from a brain aneurysm, and it was my first major experience with grief and losing a loved one that was really close to me, and that's when I really became invested for personal reasons in learning more about mental strength. And then on the three-year anniversary of my mother's death, my 26-year-old husband died of a heart attack. And again, had to really figure out, how do you be mentally strong? How do you come out of dealing with immense pain in a way that you can still go on and and try to reach your greatest potential? And um, just studied it as much as I could, tried to figure out, well, you know, what are all the skills I teach other people? How do I apply them them to my own life? And was really working through that. And a few years down the road, I was fortunate enough to find love again, and I got remarried. But 
just about, just shortly after I got remarried, my husband's father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. <sighs> I started thinking this isn't fair, and why do I have to keep losing loved ones? And right. it was really then when I started thinking that way, I said, okay, that's not what mentally strong people do. And I sat down and I wrote the list of the 13 things mentally strong people don't do and then published it to the web thinking, oh, maybe it will help somebody else and never imagined it would go viral (laughs) or that I'd be able to write a book about it. I have to change my blog because I have, it's been read by over 30 million, so now it's up to 50. Whoa. Yeah, Um, Business Insider reprinted it and I believe theirs alone has about 30 million views and I had 10 million on Forbes and all these other websites that have reprinted it like Psychology Today and Huffington Post and Success Magazine. It's been crazy to see how many people have read it and shared it. Unbelievable. I I really enjoyed this book because um, you really, before you get into all this um, information, you talk about what exactly is mental strength. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think a lot of people don't, don't know or they have a misconception. They think it's about acting tough. But there's really a big difference between being mentally strong and just acting tough. And there's three parts to mental strength. And it's about regulating your thoughts. You don't want to think overly negative about things, but you also don't want to be overly positive. Stepping into something with too much confidence can be just as harmful as stepping into it with no confidence at all. So it's about having this realistic thought process. And the second part is about managing your emotions so that you don't feel like your emotions control you. If you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you don't have to stay stuck in a bad mood. You have some control over how you feel. Yes. And the third part is about behaving productively. So no matter what sort of curveball life throws you, what, am, what are you going to do about it? And how are you going to choose to behave? And how are you going to choose to act? And you also talked about uh, the three factors that determine the ease at which you develop mental strength, genetics, personality, and experiences. I think back on my own dad who, you know, he would fail at different things and he would just keep going and move on to something else. Yeah, and I think for some people it comes easier than, than it does for others because there definitely is a genetic component about um, uh, that comes along with it, but we're not determined by our genes either. So I always tell people that it's about the habits that you choose. Just yes. like anybody can choose to become physically strong, anybody can choose to become mentally strong. It's about the choices you make on a daily basis and, and how you want to develop those habits in your life and also about what you don't do in life too. Right. Um you, I, I flagged something in the book. Um, you said, we make the best decisions when we balance emotions and irrational thinking. I like that. Yeah, I think a lot of us tend to be on one end of the spectrum or the other, that we overthink things and to the point that then we don't go out and take chances or you don't go out and, and do something exciting because you're always thinking about the potential downside. But then on the other end of the spectrum, we have those who just say, I follow my heart and I never plan for the future. I never think about the consequences. I'm just, I just kind of go with it. And I think we make our best decisions when we're somewhere in the middle, when you can say, okay, this is fun and exciting, and here's the potential drawbacks. Do I want to do it anyway? Right. Well, one of the things, uh, one of the reasons I wanted you to be a guest on the show is because this show, Get the Funk Out, is all about how you know, we have choices to kind of wallow in this situation we're in or kind of uh, figure it out, be mentally strong and, and come up with a, a plan. You know, slowly pick yourself up. There's no time limit, but, um, you know, there's, I feel like there's two paths, you know what I mean? And I'm so fascinated by, I mean, you went through so much and you just carried on and you moved forward. And um, could you give advice regarding that? Yeah, I think that sometimes people will think that if you're mentally strong, it means you don't have emotions. But really, when you go through things, allowing yourself to experience the pain is is part of the path Mm -hmm. to healing. 
Right. And I think there's a misconception that people say, well, time heals everything. No, it doesn't. It's what you do with that time that matters. And it's a matter of saying, okay, how do I embrace my emotions? How do I become aware of how I'm feeling? How do I let myself feel bad? And, and yet not get stuck there. Because I think some people tend to, tend to get stuck and they have trouble moving forward. But how can you allow yourself to feel a whole gamut of emotions and then move forward so that you can experience more positive emotions? And part of it is just uh, not trying to escape or avoid um, all the feelings that you have when something does go wrong. Because I think sometimes people are so quick to distract themselves or they try to surround themselves with things that make them feel better right away. But when you're going through tough times, it's okay to feel bad. And there's a difference between just feeling bad and pitying yourself. Self-pity is when you start to really exaggerate your misfortune and dwell on your problems and you're convinced that there aren't any possible solutions. But And you don't want to do that, but you just right. don't want to say, okay, I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm hurt. All those emotions are okay to feel. Yes. I also feel like, you know, we go through these tough times and oftentimes there's a lesson to be learned. Maybe you learn something about your own strength or you face something that's so terrible and then you realize, you know what, that guy wasn't great for me to begin with. Or, you know, that job was lousy. Why, would, why did I stay in it? Even They fired me, but they did me a favor. That kind of thing. Like you learn from that tough time. Oh, absolutely. I think those sorts of life lessons can, can do a lot for us to know that you, there's a meaning or that you have a purpose. And sometimes people's purpose will, will get changed. Somebody that gets diagnosed with cancer, for instance, might go on to do a lot of fundraising for um, cancer research or something like that, but to know that you can find a purpose sometimes in your pain and turn it into something positive. Yes. A lot of times people shy away from change. You have a great chapter on that. Could you talk about that? Yeah, I work with a lot of people who, in my therapy office, who will say, my life's really bad, but I'm afraid to do anything different because I might make it worse. And I think we've all felt that at times where you're sort of weighing your options of do I want to do something different or do I want to stay stuck where I am? Because we have that fear. There's no guarantees that making a change is going to make life better. And sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. Right. Um, somebody wants to lose weight. They usually don't wake up feeling great two weeks into it. They're <laughs> starting no. to question, why am I doing this? And it's really about figuring out how do I embrace change? How do I get more comfortable being uncomfortable? And it takes practice. And sometimes figuring out how do you keep motivating yourself? How do you keep going when you don't feel motivated? And I think the more that people get used to making change, the easier it becomes. Um, but for some people, it's just really a lifestyle thing. I like the way things are, and I don't want them to change ever. And they dig in their heels, and it starts to create more problems for them because the world is changing. And your ability to succeed often depends on, on how well you adapt to those changes. Yes. Because, I mean, life is filled with all kinds of changes, really good and really bad. Right, whether we like it or not, um, yeah. we're yeah. Gonna, things are going to change. And I'll, I'll run into couples sometimes who will say, my, my husband's not the same man I married 20 years ago. Well, let's hope not, right? <laughs> that we're all changing and growing and, and becoming uh, better people all the time. And, but I think for some people it's so scary to think of expanding their horizons that that they just want to say, nope, I'm exactly the same as I've always been. Right. And I like how you talk about uh, there's a problem with wasting energy on things you just can't control. I think that you know, when you really think about what can I control, the scope of it is fairly narrow. Mm -hmm. That There's so many things going on in the world that you just you have no control over. Sometimes the only things you can control is your attitude or your effort. And you can't control other people. You can't control how other people feel. 
And for a lot of people, that's really scary to think about. Um, but when you put your energy into the things you can control, you can make a huge difference because then you're not wasting a whole bunch of it trying to wishing something bad wouldn't happen or trying to stop things that you have no control over. I like, I'm going to share a few of those. Um, you said you, you can host a good party, but you can't control whether people have fun. You can give your child tools to be successful, but you can't make your child be a good student. You can do your best at your job, but you can't force your boss to recognize your work. So it's like you got to let those things go. You do your best and just let it go. Yeah, I think we sometimes get so focused on the outcome that we then we blame ourselves. So if you don't get a promotion, you think, oh, it's because I'm not good enough. But you can't control who you're competing against. Maybe the person that applied for the job is 100% more experienced than you are. And so you really focus on, okay, I can't control that. I can only control my own performance, and I can only control what I do. And sometimes it just turns out that you can't control the other people who, who you're up against. You could use this advice for anything. I know sometimes I'll go out on uh, auditions for things, and you think, I really want this. But then you look at somebody else, you go, you know what? They're so much better for the role than I am. And you just have to, like, let it go and own that. And it's fine, you know? Yes. And at the end of the day, to ask yourself, if you did your best, rather than, you know, did I win or did it come out exactly the way I wanted? Because you can't control those things. Are you, you must be so blown away. You wrote this article uh, was it really at first to be cathartic for you'd been through so much and you just wanted to share what you were going through and then who would have thought it would have led to TEDx talks and all this? It's been a crazy adventure. I never imagined in a million years. And, you know, to be honest, a literary agent called me when she read my article and I didn't even know what a literary agent was. I had no intentions <laughs> of writing a book. And now that I've written a book, it's published in 25 different languages. I'm working on my next book right now. It's really taken my entire life, personal and professional. has taken wow. this left-hand turn, all from this one article that was 600 words long. Unbelievable. And you, did it take you a long time to write this? Because I can't imagine it, it would have. I think it just probably just came to you and boom. The article? Yeah. Yeah, the article was really quick. That people will ask me that, and probably less than thirty minutes. If I if I had to guess, it was one of those. It was from the heart. I'm as a therapist. I've done some writing for the internet. It was sort of my side hustle to earn money. Mm-hmm. Um, after my husband passed away, but I wrote a lot of clinical articles and things about depression or anxiety. And this one was really one of the few that was from the heart. And so because of that, it was all things that I had probably known or learned over the years. I just never seen it all in one place. Yeah. I, I love how you shared, I, I think it was um, the anniversary of your husband's passing, and uh, you didn't go home and wallow in a lot of sadness. I think it was what your mother-in-law or your in-laws took you to do something really interesting. Yeah, when my, after my mother had passed away, it was one of those, whenever we would approach her birthday or the anniversary of the day she passed away, it was sort of like an odd day. I didn't want to work, but you also don't want to sit around and talk about it, so what do you do? And we never really did a good job of figuring out how to honor her on those days. So when we were approaching what would have been my husband's 27th birthday, I had said to my mother-in-law, are you going to do anything that day? Because I didn't want to go to work, but I knew if I didn't go to work, I'd just sit at home and stare at the walls, and I didn't want to do that either. And she said, well, what do you think about skydiving? (laughs) And he said, okay, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so that's what we did. And since then, we've gone on all these adventures. 
his uh, grandmother when she was in her mid-80s went ziplining with us, and she went oh, with us, and we on. swam with sharks, and we've ridden mules into the Grand Canyon, but it's become this adventure every year that the whole family plans and, and looks forward to, and something that we enjoy now, and it's a day where we say, you know, we're going to choose to celebrate what we had, yes. rather than feel sorry for ourselves for what we lost. And what's so wonderful is you still have each other. You're, you're still yes. together, and you're celebrating his life, but you're celebrating your love for one another. Yes, and I am definitely fortunate that they have, you know, adopted me and and still treat me like part of the family, and we do all of these wonderful things together, and it really brings us together and gives us a great opportunity to, to do something as a family. What are some things you've heard about your TEDx talks? Because they're so powerful, I can imagine people get in touch with you all the time. Yeah, it's been so fun to get emails from people who say, you know, I've never I've never heard these things phrased this way. Um, I knew some of them, but to hear hear it in a different way is, is really helpful. Or other people who will say, I've gone through loss, and I get these incredible emails from people who have gone through immense pain and tragedy, and they'll say, thank you. And that's what makes it all worthwhile, is just hearing people that say that they found it helpful and gave them more hope or a new way to look at things. I wanted to ask you, do you do a lot of public speaking? I know you're not, you're not based in California, you're in Florida, but where can people find out more about you? I do a fair amount of public speaking. I really enjoy that. Um, my website is amymorinlcsw, as in licensedclinicalsocialworker.com. And um, I think I read somewhere, you know, please don't throw out all your personal questions, like therapy questions. You know, I'm sure you get bombarded, like, I, I'm going through this. Or maybe you do accept those kind of questions. Yeah, as a licensed therapist, I can't, you know, diagnose people over email. I get sometimes people will tell me their spouse's issues and ask me, you know, do you think she has an anxiety disorder or something like that? And I can't diagnose or really treat anybody by email, but right. I can definitely answer general questions about mental strength, and I, I do read and, and reply to all of my all of the questions I get in my inbox. And I did put up your TEDx talk on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. It's really, really wonderful. Um, is there anything else you would like to share? Maybe if people are going through a tough time mentally, they're in a funk career professionally. Yeah, I think it's just about you know changing, changing the way you think, that all of us are stronger than we think, and sometimes just recognizing that and knowing that uh, there is hope and that you can take steps, even if you can't solve the problem, if you have a health condition or somebody in your family has one and you can't solve the problem, to focus on what you can control. And no matter what, you can always make your life or somebody else's life at least a little bit better. Fantastic. Amy, thank you so much. I know you're also on Twitter, I believe. Yes, yep. Amy Morin, LCSW, is, you're on Twitter. Um, so please, if people want to find out more, and again, it's on my blog as well. Thank you so much for calling in. Oh, thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Amy Morin uh, talking about her book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. And again, all the info is on my blog. And if you missed any part of this, it will be up on my show blog uh, in a few hours after I wrap. So we're going to take a little break. Uh, I want, want to mention, um, you can get in touch with KUCI on Twitter at KUCI-FM. We're on Instagram, KUCI-FM, Tumblr, blog.kuci.org, and Facebook, KUCI 889. Uh, so that's a great way to get in touch with us. So we'll take a little break, and then we'll be back with my next guest. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.